everyone. This is Michael Kaiser. And my name is John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 42 of the show. And I really want to be the guy who is totally aware of the Douglas Adams 42 reference and doesn't say a thing about it. So let's just do that. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Okay. We'll just keep on going. We'll just keep on going. We are we are wrapping up our current Marvel year between this episode and next. We are in December of 1963, and it feels good to be at the end of 1963. Yeah, when did – so Marvel for us started in what, 1935 or something? Something like that. We started – I forget what the, what the calendar date was, but it was cover date November – 1961 so we've done over two years of comics yay so this episode and the next one then we'll probably wrap up 63 yes put that in the bank and move on to more exciting times maybe yeah well, it's been, i mean it's been a big year with uh, you know lots of new comic series starting up kirby has gone from doing everything to focusing on some really high profile books and and mm-hmm. yeah and don don heck does everything now don heck and dick ayers do a lot of comics yeah and speaking of, um, well, Kirby, like we were, you know, earlier, uh, our, our our starting comic is Thor, who is drawn by Jack Kirby now. So that's something that we need to nitpick with you because I remember like six hundred episodes six hundred episodes ago, you promised me that Kirby was coming back, and then he like dipped his toe in the water and never came back. So is uh, this him coming back? This comic, this issue, or is this just another toe dip? No, this is it. So this is it. 97 is usually touted as the beginning of the Kirby run, or maybe it's just by me. But um, he does the Lava Man story, and he starts his backup journey into Asgard story. Not mm. journey into Asgard. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Stupid Tales of Asgard. Tales of Asgard. That's right. He's been doing those, so I guess that He has counts. been doing yeah. those. Yeah. And then Don Heck came in for a two-parter that I actually forgot it was Don Heck. I completely forgot that was a Jack Kirby. But beginning with this issue, it's really real. This is the Kirby run. Um, he will not even give a break to another artist for almost four years. Wow. No, 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 lies. Six and a half years of this book and almost four years of that are on Tales of Asgard. That backup eventually goes away. But um, but yeah, this book is the, the Kirby Thor book from now on. There's going to be four years of Tales of Asgard? Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't decide if that's awesome or not. It, it's... I, I enjoyed it. I thought it stayed pretty fun. Um, maybe it is kind of neat. It's kind of like Adventures of Superboy or something, you know? A little bit. And they do some neat stuff with it, and they do some sort of serial storytelling um, later on, and it, it becomes, you know, the sort of adventure book of just Thor in another setting. Well, it's a good thing that Thor is one of those characters I think Kirby draws best if he's going to be on it for six years. He draws them pretty well everywhere except for the corner box, which I remember you said in the episode that released today, it's like a bad driver's license photo. <laughs> and it still is. It yeah. still is. <laughs> Honestly, I think Giant Man and Wasp have the best corner box so far. Yeah. It's really good. So we yeah, should look, We should look at the corner boxes as we go through the books today and, and next week. Yeah. yeah. Thor's is the worst, for sure. It's just really silly and generic, and those wings are really up there. Yeah. Like, you think Thor pose, and that's what he's going to give you? No. Come on. You ever you ever see the diagram of like the tree and it's like got the um, the ground level, but you can see below and like has all the roots. It's like the tree is only half the tree. It uh-huh. actually has all those roots. So the wings and his hair are kind of doing that. Like the <laughs> wings are sticking up and his hair is sticking down. His hair is only half the hair. The wings are the other half of his hair. 
<laughs> Anyways, who's got this bad boy? You do. What? You get the brunt tonight. What? Two and I get one. Uh, I had to do two last time. Oh, that means you get Spider-Man next time. I know, right? Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. I like when you get Spider-Man. Yeah? I mean, I like doing Spider-Man. He's my guy, but it makes me happy that you get him sometimes, too. Probably because you've already talked about it and don't want to do it again, so someone else can do it. (laughs) You can be the big man. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, That's a pun, kids. Not a (laughs) pun so much as a... Spoilers. Reference to, yeah, spoilers. That's what they're called. All right. So Jack Kirby comes on the book and he brings us back Zarko the Tomorrow Man. So this is what this book is about. Zarko the Tomorrow Man. Um, Thor is, well, not to put too fine a point on it. He is pissed and he is storming through the metropolis of New York and he is getting lots of attention and the ants see him. What are ants doing in a Thor comic? Well, you may wonder that, but Thor is part of a larger team of superheroes now. Thor is part of the Avengers, and the ants notice their teammate. And so they're like, hey, Henry, guess what? Thor is walking around yelling at everybody and pushing them out of the way with a hammer. And Henry's like, huh, um, I guess I should go check in with him. And Iron Man decides, or Tony Stark decides, put on his Iron Man costume, go check in with Thor too. And so they go and meet Thor later, and Thor is like bashing trucks out of his way with his hammer. Like, I need to cross the street. There's a truck in the way, bash. There's only half a truck in the way now. So Iron Man and Giant Man are like, dude, um, are you sure that's what you want to do right now? And Thor's like, get out of my way, mortals. And they're like, oh, okay, okay, chill. We're, we're, we're cool, Thor, we're cool. Now, Thor has been storming around trying to find Odin. He's like, I need to talk to Odin. I need to talk to Odin. I need to talk to Odin. I'm going to stop here at this dock and just muse about my need to talk to Odin. Meanwhile, up in Asgard, Odin's like, what's Thor doing? And Loki's like, Thor, remember how he disobeyed you? How he's trying to love a mortal girl? Remember how how unworthy the mortal girl is because she was going to let Thor die? And they're like... Yes, yes, I remember this. And let's ignore the fact that it was to save Don Blake, who's also, you know, my son Thor. So um, Odin just re-resolves to, you know, punish Thor. And he decides then and there to cut Thor's power in half. Bam! Thor's power is cut in half. So Thor goes to Asgard to plead his case with a... uh, Also, also, Thor is confined to Earth until... He decides to get over his love. So this is what you do, kids. If you want two young lovers to stop loving each other, you lock them up together. And that will cure them. Anyways, just moving along here. So Thor goes to Asgard to plead his case. And Baldur's like, none shall pass. And Thor's like, but Baldur, I'm none shall pass. And so Thor tries his hammer. And Baldur's like, ha ha, not Baldur. Is it Baldur? No, it's a friggin' um, who's the guy Heimdall, that's right. He Heimdall, not Balder. Balder's off being bald or something. Yeah. Um, Heimdall's like, none shall pass. And Thor tries his hammer, but he's weak now, so he has to go home. Sad walk of shame. Loki's like, okay, cool. I got my will. I can do some mischief. What am I going to do? I can't do it myself or they'll think it's me. I know what. I don't want to go find some mortals. Hey, there's that dude from the future. Zarko the Tomorrow Man. Thor made him forget he was a nitwit. I'm going to remind him. Hey, Zarko, remember how you're a nitwit? Zarko's like, yes! So Zarko goes and gets his um, uh, some plans for some evil robots, which he builds to take over the future. And um, 
He takes the evil, no, he takes the evil robots back to the present day. That's what it is. He takes the evil robots back to the present day and starts conquering stuff. And Don Blake sees it on the TV. He's like, evil robots from the future. I'm going to turn into Thor. So he turns into Thor, goes after Zarko. They fight over the evil robots. And I think it ends with Zark, because Thor can't beat him because he doesn't quite have all of his strength. And Zarko's like, all right, so you can't beat me. So I'm just going to take over your world. Or you can come with me back to the future. And Thor's like, does something got to be done about our kids? He's like, no, run, no, wrong, wrong movie. So they go into the future and Loki's like, yes, Thor is out of my hair. He's in the future. Cliffhanger, the end. Yeah, another cliffhanger for Thor. Yeah, which um, I like because this is kind of the mode that Kirby is going to move into first with Thor and then with the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Where every issue just leads into the next issue. Yeah, we're going to start uh, to get more continuity, more overall story arcs, and could be fun. The first, the first clip, first cliffhanger he had was horrible. So hopefully this next one will make up for it. But oh yeah, with um with friggin' Mister Hyde and the yeah. non-resolution. Yeah, yeah, Kirby's better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although you know, I don't know. It, it could partially be the writing too, but um, I don't want to talk about the writer right now. So. I love that this comic starts out with a full-on embrace of the Marvel Universe. Yeah? You mean the Avengers cameo? Yeah, yeah, because we've talked in the past about how, like, Thor didn't really acknowledge the rest of Marvel. Like, Mm -hmm. no one was mentioned in his book, and he was not mentioned in any book until the Avengers number one. Yeah, same with Iron Man. Same with Iron Man. That was their first connection to the larger Marvel world. Yeah. And and you were asking not only when do they appear in other books, but when do other people appear in their books? Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, does that two-way thing. Now Marvel, the Marvel Universe is appearing in Journey into Mystery. Is this the first time for Thor? Yes. Whoa. It is weird. It's like obviously just a shameless plug for Avengers. Mm-hmm. But because they don't actually accomplish anything in the story really other than be there but right but i just was if you think back to like you know when you're a kid in 1963 and it's like ooh, who are these guys that's actually a pretty good idea to throw them in there and it does make some sense that they hear about their new teammate slash friend mm-hmm. going on a rampage like well let, let's go ask about it let's see how he's doing and this is the one probably one appearance between issues three and four so they're down a man this is the avengers without a hulk Right. Or without, or without a somebody else that will be coming soon. Uh, so, yeah, it's like an interesting little uh, sweet spot, I guess, in a Thor Wait, issue. So I was thinking the exact same thing that you were thinking. So yeah. I went and grabbed my Thor index, the official index that they did for Thor and the Avengers. I have those two big books. Mm-hmm. You want to know where this is supposedly in the official chronology? What? Um, this is – let me just read my sentences I wrote down. The official Marvel Index puts this after the Avengers 6. How does that even make sense? I don't know. They shunt this arc. where I don't even know how long this arc goes without a break. But they shunt this whole arc into the future a bit. So this is after the Avengers 6, which means oh. that somebody else you're mentioning is back. He's just off somewhere being Bucky sad. Well, actually, that kind of makes sense because... I believe issue four picks up immediately where issue three left off. They're still in the submarine or whatever. So it can't be between because it could be they're between not home two yet. And, I, was thinking, I was thinking about putting between two and three. Yeah, two and three could work. Because the Hulk is gone. Mm-hmm. And they're just 
today they're not actively searching for the Hulk. That was still kind of a concern going into number three, but you know, they don't look for the Hulk all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking between two and three. Officially it's after six, but we'll let you, the listener, decide what you like more. Two and three. Yeah, me two and three. <laughs> um so Thor is like I thought for at first like Thor was like possessed or something. I thought that's where this was going. Because mm-hmm. he's running he's walking around like nonchalantly or not caringly like crushing garbage cans and then of course he wrecks that guy's car for no reason for no reason but it turns out he's just a grumpy pants god and i kind of think that's cool too because he is a god he's not really like a quote-unquote superhero he's a guy he's been around a long time he doesn't care about that dude's car if he's in a bad mood yeah yeah it is just a massive iron he doesn't do like you know autographs and you know make sure the kid's I'll have a good role model. He's a god. It is but a machine that can build another. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's funny, though, that after all of that mad stampeding, he just goes to the pier and stops and broods over how he can't marry Jane. Huh, Mary Jane. <laughs> I can't believe I never thought about that. Oddly, he just purposely walks through the city, too, when he could have, like, flown over them and avoided the humans that were bothering him. But... Yeah, or just gone to Asgard at the beginning. <laughs> or gone to Asgard at the beginning, yeah. yeah. Or flown angrily through space. He had a lot on his mind, I guess. I guess. Wanted to, to work out some anger. So, sp- um, go ahead. Panel three, two things. Um, I guess Odin the Allfather can't see very far without help, which I, makes mm. sense, I guess, because he always has those two. In the myths, he has the two ravens mm-hmm. that can bring him tidings. So, I guess... When I think of all Father Odin, I think of all seeing Odin, and that's just not the way it is. So, when did we last see Loki? That's what I was saying. Why is he free again? Yeah, because I can't think of an instance where he got away. No, the last time we saw him was Avengers 1. Oh, yeah. And um, and the Lava Man, whichever one of those stories came first, because uh, they're right next to each other. Uh, he, from afar, from being chained up, he controlled the Lava Man. And then in issue one of the Avengers, he fought Thor and was arrested again. And yet he's free in Asgard. And not only that, Odin is listening to him. Mm-hmm. He's a horrible, horrible king, I think. It's weird. It, like, when we first started reading Thor, I was like, hey, Odin's not as bad as I thought he was. And now he's quickly becoming just as bad as I remember him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he started out a bit more mellow. And I guess maybe Thor's love for Jane has just really chapped his hide. Yeah, because like initially he was doing like the few appearances he had, he would he like remember he faked being a human with all the other gods to like help Thor out on Earth and stuff like that. Right, like, he became a UN delegate. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't sound like Odin. Odin usually doesn't care about any of this stuff, and now now we're at that point. And right in front of Loki, he says, "My favorite son still is troubled," and I'm like, "Thanks, Dad." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a great father and a great king. I wish I could go and ask who had the idea, but Kirby is using hex plots to feed his own. He's really good at that. I commented on it back with issue 97 that uh, the, um, the, um, uh, the whole Jane drama, the developments that had just happened in the last guy's issue mm-hmm. fed into 97. And now the stuff that heck does with Hyde and Jane in 98 and 99 or rather 99 and 100, are feeding into 101. So, And not only that, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we don't just get like a, you know, go read this issue caption, but he uses panels to recreate flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. So that's really great for me because half the time I'm going, what happened in the last Thor? I can't remember. And now they're, 
now with this issue and subsequent issues we'll be covering, they start doing that. So I can, you know, refresh my memory on what happened with the whole hide thing. And is it okay? I mean, maybe everyone else is doing this and I just haven't checked, but um, every time we see Heimdall in the comics, can we just mentally replace him with Idris Elba? I don't have a problem with that. He's pretty generic right now. Yeah, uh, I, I can totally hear him say these lines, though. You may not pass Thor. Those are the orders of Odin himself. And then Thor's like, you, you lie. None may refuse admits to the God of Thunder. Odin may. His word is law. And I can just hear him with, like, more more gravitas than I have, more beautiful enunciations than I have. But, like, I can hear him delivering those lines. Every time someone says Hemdall, I just picture, I think of uh, 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 the Thor guy just shouting, Hemdall! Open the bypass tray! <laughs> <laughs> Which I like to say at work, because it's supposed to be Bifrost, but bypass is funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, we've, we've had little glimpses of Hemdall. There's going to be a nice pinup shot of Hemdall in the backup story, but unfortunately, that's all we get, really. Yeah, he's and he doesn't even have a very like consistent or at least memorable look yet. Mm-mm, no, um, I think he has in this one. He has a big Magneto helmet with big uh, horns. Yeah, well, I mean, Odin doesn't even. Odin has two eyes, so we got a ways to go, I guess, before <laughs> this design of Asgard <laughs> starts kicking in. <laughs> okay, one thing I kind of breezed over in my uh, recap is because it's really not that important to the plot is that Loki does go and see a Norn hag and mm-hmm. the Norns are women who rule the destinies of gods and men. Mm-hmm. So they're like the fates or the equivalent of the fates in the Norse myths. And they're actually multiple, but this particular comics character, she's not a hag who is a Norn. Turns out hag is actually her name. Ah, oh. and to distinguish it, it is sometimes spelled with two A's. So he, All he's, right. he's I've never, so she's a recurring character. Somewhat recurring, yeah. Yeah, never heard of her. Okay. They don't really show her that well either. It's like a tiny little robed person. Yeah, I just recently started rereading Sandman, and I'm reading with my son. Oh. And so his take on the fates is completely different because he does the, the three women. But um, We know. I know. You know. Exactly. Ever see that, Hercules? I have. That's funny. It is fun. Except for the whole James Wood thing. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so is Zarko building Sentinels? He says he just bummed it, I think, from, uh, like, that's just something they have in the future. What did he say? Maybe he's using old Nimrod blueprints. Some sort of giant, oh, maybe he didn't, maybe he did invent it, because they don't know what it is either. Some sort of gigantic robot. Look, it's moving. I swear it said something like, you know, it's just something that they use in the future to build stuff, but it's so powerful and awesome that, like, uh, it's a mining robot. There it is, page eight. Yeah, it says uh, indestructible mining robot. I just... My brain just likes the idea that, like, after some centuries, Nimrod and the other Sentinels are just converted to mining robots in this timeline. Mm -hmm. I I like that. After they eliminate all the mutants? Mining is better than genocide. Yeah. So, you know. There's no no mutants in this future, theoretically. Uh, Theoretically. Yeah. Well, there's either no mutants or there's no bigotry because they have peace. Yeah, that could be. There's no war. That's that's his big problem. Mm -hmm, Because he's... Zarko the warmonger. God, what a cliche that is. Like the future of peace. These guys can't handle it. I think there's like 58 Flash villains that have that same (laughs) origin. (laughs) I want to fight somebody. Ah, I I should have been a Star Star Trek admiral. Right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, We get to page, and I I don't have a whole lot to say about the fight. I don't know if you do, but uh, my next thought's on page 12. Okay, go ahead. 
um, when the robot falls there, he looks very much like the destroyer robot. He does. Yeah. Like you can't see that his face is not the destroyer face, but we haven't that... seen the destroyer, right? No, we haven't. Okay. I just, I like him. They were both invented by Kirby. I'm going to guess. Yes. Yes. Kirby does do the destroyer and it's, it's a little ways down the road, not super far. And Thor, and he's falling cause Thor used magnets. Has he done that before? I don't think so. I think, no, no, no. He has used electromagnetics with his hammer before, but he, I think it was like one of the very first issues. And it wasn't um, so uh, like direct, like you are made of metal. So therefore my hammer will make you fall to the ground. Right. Stuck. He tried to make it emit radiation to Heimdall earlier or something like that. Mm. So um, the magical hammer plot device. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot a thought on page 10. Okay. I'd written down. Okay, so Thor was all storming through town, beating up, you know, cars, fighting Avengers, brooding at the pier. And we get to page 10. And while this robot is rampaging through town, Don Blake is just sitting at home. And you know what Don could be doing right now instead of sitting home and watching TV? Just a thought. Instead of angsting about Asgard and Odin, he could go out with Jane Foster. <laughs> no, he can't. It's a, it's not loud. Call that woman on the phone. Say yeah, yo. Wh- like, what would happen at this point if he said, you know what, Odin, forget you. I'm going to date her. Like, what are you going to do? Half my power and forbid me from coming back to Asgard? Because you've done that already. <laughs> are you going to trap me on Earth? Because yeah. Um, yeah. that's where Jane is. <laughs> you going to kill me? What? I mean, what's going to happen? Honestly... Um, back whenever we were doing the thing and he was like, there was that one opening scene where he was so upset. It was on the same theme. I think it was the first time maybe that Odin said, you can't date Jane. And he's like, you know, all because I'm Thor. And I was thinking that he didn't used to be Thor that, you know, according to his memory, he was used to be a dude and now he's Thor. And now he has all these like obligations to his Thor family. Mm-hmm. But like, you're right. What if he just like ditched that? What if he stopped changing to Thor? What if he just went to go be Don Blake and be Jane's doctor friend? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to happen because it's a superhero comic, but, you know, yeah. what if he did? Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, Odin. And, and so speaking of threats, this is the only other comment I really have is is uh, is Tomorrow Man gives him an, an either this or that ultimatum and he falls for it, which I feel like superheroes do a lot. Right. Like, either do this or I'll do that. And there's like, well, there's also option C. I could just, but Thor doesn't. He's like, either you surrender or I destroy the world because you don't have enough power. And Thor's just like, okay, I surrender. But he could say, okay, I'll go call Iron Man or yeah. something. And just the way it's drawn on that top of page 13 with Zarko right behind him, mm-hmm. Thor could just whirl around Wacha and bash the guy's skull. <laughs> yeah, like half the power of Thor still seems like a ridiculously uh, powerful person. And even if he's regular dude power, he has a giant metal hammer. Yeah. Get some, get some yeah. like torque on that thing and, you know, yeah. go to town on his face. His, he's seven feet tall and his bicep is bigger than, than Zarko's head. <laughs> but I thought this read went really quickly. This story had did. so, there were like so many different things going on in the story that worked well together. And the villain part was really only a small portion. I really liked this. I'm, I'm used to, um, you know, nothing continuing. So it's like you feel when the story is about to end because the arc has hit its peak and it's going back down. But now these that are to be continued, it's like there's no way they're wrapping this up next page. Oh, my God, it's over. At the same time, like I feel like sometimes we do get like a really fast wrap up. Like I could see 12 being exactly the same page, but on the next page, there'll be like nine panels of him, 
you know, subduing the robot, sending Zarko back and kissing uh-huh. him at the end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Fantastic Four number one, they like lost Mole Man off panel just because they had 16 <laughs> panels on that last page to wrap up the island exploding. Right. And w- so. with, with only 25 panels, you got to do it fast. Yeah. Um, so hopefully next issue we'll have a uh, a nicer conclusion than the last time they did this. I think it has to. Mm-hmm. Unless they just completely ignore the fact that he got kidnapped into the future. <laughs> right. Follow the Mr. Hyde plan and just ignore that. <laughs> yeah. So um, we get to the boyhood of Thor in the back. Uh-huh. Tales of Asgard, Home of the Mighty Norse Gods, the invasion of Asgard. And um, you're right. There's a really cool pinup of Heimdall there mm-hmm. with his uh, big Viking horned helmet. Still has a sort of Magneto cut out for the face. He has... Um, like fur covering parts of his armor, which I think is a neat aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I can't look anymore because I got to remember the story. Okay, so Thor and Loki were playing in this one, and Loki Loki finds a hole in the walls of the city of Asgard and says, "Thor, let's go out here and see what's up." And they go out there, and there is like a metric frog ton of monsters outside, <laughs> and Thor has to fight them, and he does a pretty good job. Um, and I think that's just it. I think he fights off the monsters and comes back home and is able to lift the the hammer a bit better. And Loki, um, tri- Loki tricked him into fighting them, didn't he, or something? Yeah, Loki tricked him into fighting, and maybe the Asgardians like show up in the middle of the fight to help him or something. They do, yeah. He's gonna lose because someone turns him into a tree or something. Right. So this is a pretty simple story. Loki tricks him into leaving. They get into a fight. The Asgardians come with the cavalry. The end. And then they're all like happy that he was fighting where Loki tricked him to fight because that actually was a hole that they could get through. So he he uh, held him at bay long enough for the rest of the gods to show up, which means he can now lift his hammer a little more because he got ten more glory points. Oh, I'm just looking at some of the some of the scripting. There there is a there is a pending attack. The forces of evil, which. I love that the forces of evil is a phrase that needs a footnote. I don't know why we need a footnote for forces of evil. They are powerful menaces. They're about to destroy Asgard. No, they are all the sinister, powerful menaces. So like every bad guy that Asgard has ever had ah. has decided Doctor Who style to team up and like take him out. Um, and we haven't even seen most of these as far as I remember. Yeah, we've seen frost giants before. Uh, we've seen trolls before, I think. How about a rhyme giant or a skull and hottie, the wolf gods, or Girardor, the troll? I'm going to go with uh, Girardor. Or Nornhag. Hey, there's your Nornhag. Same woman, yep. actually. And she's writing Ulfrin the dragon. Right. Some of these guys I looked up, and they never appear again until Tom DeFalco revives Tales of Asgard in the 80s or okay. 90s. So what is our, uh, I bet our resident expert has something to say about this, at least one panel full of nefarious villainy. Yeah, let's see. So um, Gene Hendricks, um, friend of the show, our Asgardian advisor uh, is the title that he has declared for himself, which I really liked when I saw it on Facebook today. Um, he uh, is a worshiper of the Norse guards, very knowledgeable about the stories that these stories are based on. He says, well... It was nice to see that Skull and Hottie got to take a break from chasing the moon and the sun, respectfully. <laughs> so that's what they're supposed to be. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They are drawn a tiny bit small, though. <laughs> because remember, the Norse explanation for eclipses 
was that the appropriate wolf had caught the appropriate heavenly body and tried to swallow it. Oh. So that means they need to be at least in the Fenrir size range, but here they just look like big dogs. Uh, yeah. He says, other than that kind of thing, this is an all right story. I can easily see a young Thor being tricked into defending a breach that Loki made in the wall that surrounds Asgard. Thor fights well here, but is overcome by magic, which he really has no defense against, and is saved by the end. It's all very plausible. Well, all right. That was probably the easiest story we've got so far. Yeah, this actually reminded me a little bit of the um, the Thor movie, because uh, mm. Loki exploits the breach in the defenses to lure in an army. Yes, that tunnel even looks like the tunnel they were going through that had all the artifacts and stuff. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't think I mentioned it last issue, but these... Um, these boyhood of Thor stories where he needs to like earn his badges of power. Mm-hmm. This is very wonder girl. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Silver age. Wonder woman had these wonder girl stories before Donna Troy was ever a thing. Wonder girl was young wonder woman and she had to earn her bracelets. She had to earn her lasso. I think she had to earn the Eagle on her chest or maybe it was her tiara. There were three things that she had to earn. Uh, if I remember right. And, um, in fact, it's probably worth pointing out that boy versions of heroes, like young versions of heroes, that was a very DC trope in the Silver Age. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Aqua Aqua Boy stories, Superboy, of course, Wonder Girl, uh, young Bruce Wayne finding out you know stuff about having adventures and everything. His dad being the first Batman and stuff like right. that. Right. Yeah. And since Thor has like a mythological lifespan like Wonder Woman does, this really fits and feels very much like a Wonder Girl type of thing. In a good way. I'm not I'm not bashing it. No, I like the uh, you know, Thor Jr. stories. I do think that this this idea that he has to slowly earn the ability to lift the hammer, like I don't think that ever is talked about again, as far as I know. Like now the mythos is just or the mythos is uh, you know, uh you're worthy he was worthy or he's not worthy kind of thing. Right. Um, you can't earn worthiness slowly, but then a whole, then again, the whole worthiness thing is like so subjective and arbitrary. Anyway, I guess it this is, is this is just yeah. as easily makes sense. Maybe he's just building muscle. Oh, that's possible. <laughs> like he's already worthy enough to hold it. He's just not strong enough to lift it because it's heavy. It also, <clears throat> it also says that the phrasing is interesting. He says, "I've been rewarded with additional strength." Like Odin has given him more strength, or something like that. And since in this issue he took half his strength, I guess Odin can do that. <laughs> Don't worry, Thor. Dad will never take that strength back from you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that was that was a pretty solid uh, Thor issue. I'm really pretty excited about cool. what we're going to do in this issue in this comic series. Yeah, it's a good start for Kirby's Tales return. To- Tales to Astonish 53? Tales to Astonish 53. Um, eh, eh, eh. That's me, huh? It has porcupine in it. Okay. Yeah, it's called Trapped by the Porcupine. I was just looking it up real quick. Cover dated March 1964. Also released December 2nd of 63. Written by Stan Lee. Artist Dick Ayers. Letterer Sam Rosen. Um, um, And it starts out with... Giant Man and the Wasp doing more, like, uh, I think, charity stuff, exhibitions. Mm-hmm. They're doing an exhibition. They're really into that right now. And Giant Man is, like, being really big, and he's stretching himself across two buildings, and Wasp is heroically standing on the small of his back, and that's, like, what they're doing. And everybody's like, wow, this is amazing. But behind the scenes, there's a villain, an old villain. A villain from their past. 
He looks just like a porcupine. He calls himself the porcupine. Um, and he's like, oh, I hate those guys. They ruined my life by being good guys and stopping me last time. So he shoots them from, you know, an alley. They don't see him. But Giant Man gets hit, starts to fall. Jan quickly turns to the wasp and flies away. And Giant Man does like a tuck and roll. And his five billion pounds like all lands on this one ankle. And he breaks it. I think he calls it six three hundred something pounds, but I don't know how much he it is. would be. It, by physics, it should be a lot more than three hundred sixty, right? I think like my coworker's three hundred sixty pounds, so this guy's like, you know, twelve feet tall or something. I thought. Yeah. Anyway, but so, to, be fair, uh, to be fair, even three hundred sixty pounds on one ankle is, is is a lot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So anyway, he gets hurt, and they don't know who did it, and he kind of and Porcupine kind of runs away, you know. Um, and they do like a flashback of how they originally encountered and Ant-Man. Don't forget Ant-Man was the one who beat him last time, not giant man. Um, but he got away as most Marvel villains do right now. Um, and then he decided he wants to get revenge. So what's he going to do? He has an idea. He's going to go find a giant man and wasp fan club. He pretends to be a fan. He goes over to these people's house and they're all like kids who are dressed up. For some reason, it's a giant man fan club, but they're all dressed up as his villains instead of his giant man. Um, so he shows up and he's like, hey, can I join? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, OK, well, let's go visit giant man and stuff when he's like at that gym that everybody knows he works out at. So they all go over there um, and Porcupine dresses up as Porcupine and all the rest of them are dressed up as, you know, like uh the Black Knight and Egghead and stuff like that. So he kind of just fits right in, except his costume is way better than theirs. Um, and the kids are all worshiping and stuff. And Porcupine, like, asks the wasp to go get something from his car because he forgot it. And she's just like, sure, that's great because I want to get out of here anyway. And as soon as she leaves, um, Porcupine gasses the place. All the kids immediately fall over. Giant Man, though, being that he's 5 billion pounds, it takes him a little longer to... Uh, get knocked out he grabs the rings uh on the gym section or the you know gymnastic section of this gym and he spins around flash style so fast that like the gas gets dispelled and pretty much uh porcupine has to run away but he uh he uh he uh, uh trapped the wasp in his car that was his other evil plan so once she got in there, like this glass thing got around her and uh, and she got stuck. And Giant Man kind of figures out that's probably what's going to happen. So he tries to run after. But, of course, he's got a bum leg and he doesn't catch catch up in time. And uh, Porcupine drives away with the wasp. Um, I can't remember what happens. Oh, he lets the wasp escape, making it think it's her idea. He puts like a little hole in her cage and she's like, oh, right. Whatever. So she goes home, but then he shoots one of his like uh, tracer quills because his whole gimmick is every quill he has can do something. One can like, you know, trace stuff. One can shoot poison. One can, you know, barbecue spare ribs. I don't know. And then <laughs> so it follows her home and to their secret lair. And Giant Man notices this hovering quill floating over her head. So he knows Porcupine's coming. Porcupine shows up. They get in a big fight. Wasp is taken out immediately by his Porcupine quill that shoots flypaper. Um, and then he and Giant Man have this big fight. Giant Man still struggles with his leg. There's a lot of, like, um, knockout gas trying to knock Giant Man out. But he, like, resists it and stuff. Then he decides to turn – or I guess Porcupine hides or something in a because he's getting kind of scared that he can't beat up a giant. And Ant-Man decides to shrink to, like, an ant. And that doesn't – oh, and then – 
he lets like Porcupine try and pick him up, but then he turns back to a giant again and and uh, grabs him. And por- the Porcupine sees his belt, rummages in there, and pulls out all these pills and says, "Ha ha! Now I have all your giant pills." I'm going to take more than one, and then I'll be, like, five times as big as you. And Giant Man's like, don't. Stop. Definitely don't do that. (laughs) He's like, here I go. And he takes the pills. But, no, they weren't the giant pills. They were the shrinking pills. And as the porcupine shrinks away a la Dr. Doom, um, Giant Man explains that, you know, those pills shrink me to an ant with just one dose, and you've just taken seven. Even I've never done that. I have no idea what's going to happen to you. And the porcupine shrinks so tiny that he disappears into the Cronum realm. And I guess we'll see him in Avengers 4 or something when Scott Lang runs into him. Right. The end. The end. Yeah. Um, I had some really mixed feelings on this. It was cool to see the porcupine again. Yeah. If this were a giant man comic, mm-hmm. this has so many awesome things in it that I do like and are great. Mm-hmm. All of those positive feelings are severely offset by hampering the wasp every single chance they get. Every opportunity she has to be awesome, they don't let her be awesome. And it happens like three or four times in this one story. And by the end of the story, it was starting to piss me off. We've had... <laughs> Like, two stories where she was awesome. Yeah. And this, like... And that's it. She got several avenues, like, several opportunities and several gateways that she could go down. And it just, like, slammed shut every time. Like, even she, even the beginning, her exhibition for these kids is to stand on Giant Man's back. Mm-hmm. Symbolism? I don't know. And then he has to explain to her that if she takes a pill as she's falling... She'll grow wings like she doesn't know that about herself already. Right. You know, it's like right out of the gate, man. Um, And I thought that like there's a point where um, he sends she leaves the room and the gas comes into the room. And I I was reading that saying that giant man was going to succumb to the gas and Walsh is going to come save the day. But no, she gets captured off camera by um, the car or whatever. And giant man is gassed, doesn't succumb and gets to go rescue her. And has a broken ankle. Right, while he has a broken ankle. And then, like, um, while she's escaping, she doesn't escape because she's cool. She escapes because he let her escape. He plants a tracker on her. And whenever she arrives, the narration says, Giant Man gets the tracker because he's not a child. <laughs> but the That's porky- in the narration. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yep. And it's just like, oh, my God. And, um, and... There were at least one or two others that I have in my notes written down, but I can't remember off the top of my head what they fly were. Flypaper? Yeah, she gets caught in the freaking flypaper. Immediately? Ugh. Like, no, not even one punch or anything? She's just out. Not even one punch. Doesn't get to help a single bit with the fight. At the end, whenever she finally breaks free, she says, Hey, big boy, let's not forget your lovable partner in peril. I'll admit this flypaper is cuddly and cozy, but how about getting me out of here? And she says... Thanks. Now, where is he? Just point me at the porcupine. I'll settle him for you. No mere man can wrap me in flypaper and get away with it. And I was like, that should have been the way she was treated the entire time. She's becoming um, Wasp, the uh, the girl hostage. Yeah. Yeah. Like that gumption and that wherewithal and that desire to be part of the team should have been the, you know. <sighs> I also don't like that he could just tell her to go get something from my car and te- that Technically, he's like a 16-year-old fanboy kid. Why the heck is she doing that? This is true. Go get your own stupid thing from the car. 
Yes. But no problem. Own- I'm a girl, so I'll go get that thing from the car for you. As if, if like, a fanboy went to, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a celebrity really fast. Like, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt's house. You could just say, hey, Angelina, I left my, my 8x10s in the car. Go fetch them, would you? Yeah. 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 I don't know if they're divorced or not, though. That could have been a bad analogy. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, I did have several things to write down along the way. Uh, the The costume party was so charming. It was great. I was amazed that there was enough bad guys for them to dress up as. Right? And they, like, they do self-deprecating humor. Like, the human top, no, you look more like a human turnip. Yeah. Because, yeah, he does. <laughs> so, we had the Black Knight, which is fairly um, recent. Oh, but I was talking to my daughter Lily about this part. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, there was the whole audio glitch. You go ahead. There's the Black Knight. Black Knight, the human top, egghead, porcupine, but he's the porcupine. Right. Who else? Like, there's other pictures of kids, but I'm not sure, like, who they're supposed to be necessarily. Dr. Doom is there. Okay. Well, I thought about that, but he did guest star in FF and fight Dr. Doom. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know how the kids know that, but technically, they've at least fought. Yeah. There are a couple of generic suits that I wasn't really sure about. One looks like the Power Man we're going to get in the Avengers later. He's got that whole brown thing going on. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, One of them... Uh, on the bottom of page five, he's kind of prominent. He has like the bands and the ring around his head. And he feels like an outfit that I've seen before, but I couldn't place him. I think he's looks like one of the wrecking crew, but they don't exist yet. Yeah. The last panel on page five has the ones that I'm not sure about. Could just be generic makeup things or something made right. up things. I don't know. But I was, um, I was, I was showing this to Lily. Oh, oh, Back there in the background, you have a guy with a turban and the little medallion on his head. That was um, the the trumpeting the trumpet guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> and what about the dude with like the the weird straw hanging down around his head? I don't know. Those are the two. The one in the middle with the broom, or no, that's the Black Knight. The one, yeah. the one next to the Black Knight, and the dude with the weird, weird upside down, like I don't know, mop mop thing. mop head is. I don't know who those are supposed to be. Oh, dude, he's the Cyclops. Is he? Yeah. If you zoom in, he's got coverings on his two ah. eyes, and he has an eye in the middle. He's the Cyclops. That's clever. Oh, the last time the Wasp was cool. I remember that story. <laughs> it's so sad. You're right. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I was gonna. Sh- I showed this to Lily, and she brought up an interesting point. She said, if you're going to if you are going to a fan club meeting of a real person, mm-hmm. like in the real world, which, you know, theoretically in their universe, these people are doing, mm-hmm. do you dress up as the person's adversaries? That's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But the next time Senator Clinton has some sort of rally, are her fans going to dress up as Trump or Lewinsky and <laughs> to support her and then show up and hang out? Right. Uh, that that might be a little weird, right? <laughs> yeah, giant man's all looking at him going, I remember that time I almost died. That was cool. <laughs> I remember that time that I stressed myself out, almost had a hernia trying to speed up and chase a freaking top. <laughs> hey, nobody dressed up as the voice. Nobody is the voice. You're right. That would have been easy, just a straw hat. Actually, the porcupine dressed up as the voice before he put on his outfit. <laughs> just his normal beard and face and clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Rip those ants, though, on page 11. Um, they're the ants that are going to go, and the porcupine sends uh, DDT gas to them. Uh-huh. So, so much for those ants. 
Yeah. I like the look it, of the porcupine. I think it's neat. I do like the look of the porcupine. Um, he's a bit, a, you know, a few details are modified from the last time he appeared. Um, he looks a little bit better, a little bit more streamlined. I think it would have been better if they just made him a guy who shoots really sharp quills and it hurts versus this whole, like, every quill has a thing it can do. Right. Like the tracer quills. Tracer quills and gas quills and stun gun quills and yeah, whatever. That quill's going to go make me a sandwich. Yeah. The tracer one's really bad. That just makes. Oh, and the suction cup, you know, swinging around like Spider-Man quill. Yeah. Yeah. It's, anyway. It's not. And the, the last thing I want to say about this is um, that I, I'm really digging the fact that they're consistent with the geography on Giant Man's home. Mm-hmm. Because on um, I remember like we deciphered it that he lives just across the or the bridge across the river in New Jersey, and uh, like the New Jersey line is like literally right next to Manhattan Island, so it's really not far. So Center City, where they live, is in New Jersey, and page twelve they they make a reference to it. And I'm trying okay. to find what panel it was in. I remember uh, the that. last panel. Yeah. It's working like a charm. She's heading up the west side of Manhattan. Her speed is slow. She's resting every third block. Now she's heading for the George Washington Bridge. Giant Man's home must be in New Jersey. So they're they're consistent with that, which is just, I don't know, makes me happy. And of course, now that he knows where the home is, guess what? He can't get away. Right. Um, that reminds me of that like Adventures of Superman episode where like someone figured out his identity so superman put him on this top of this glacier to wait there until he figured out what to do with him and then like there was an avalanche and he died yeah i remember that <laughs> superman what are you doing remember how super do you remember mike how superman never kills he may not kill but he sure set that one up yeah he totally killed him um he, he, he kills even without an avalanche you can't just survive there in like a, a no you know, a he's been up there for an hour and he's dead <laughs> yeah but it's okay. weird because a lot of lately I've noticed a lot of the villains are getting away, and I assume that's because they don't know which ones are going to hit and which ones are going to miss, and they don't want to like you know write themselves into no sequel. Yeah. So, so uh, here's a bit of continuity with the with the porcupine. Um, I don't think we're going to find out how he gets out of this uh, shrinking thing. Oh, really? Because his next two appearances are part of a crowd. Hmm. First, there's the Reed Richards wedding. That's the next time we see him. And then he's part of a team that gets hired by the uh, Count Nefaria to fight some uh, the X-Men in X-Men 22 and 23. And there's like a bunch of random villains that he's a part of. So I don't think we're actually going to get narrative that follows up on this. So maybe he found that world that Doctor Doom and Fantastic Four found. Right. But the Ant-Man didn't come and save him from it like he did with the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. Is that how Doctor Doom got back through Ant-Man or did he have his own method? Oh, that's a – I thought I don't it was remember. something to do with Ant-Man. Probably. Well, remember at the beginning of the story how they were doing the charity stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, that's the kind of thing they do in the backups, too. Oh, yeah. Only now it's just used as a frame to uh, tell stories that they already had. And they don't even actually go do the charity. They're just like, talking about going <laughs> right. later. So this one's called When Wakes the Colossus. and it's Not, not that one. Not that one, unfortunately. Uh, Stanley, Larry Lieber, Don Heck, and... R, Richard, Ron, something, Holloway. Um, yeah, it's Aunt, or it's uh, the Wasp doing her face, doing her makeup to go to charity to tell, go to the Veterans Hospital again to tell a boring story. But she's like, hey, before I leave, Hank, do you want to hear the boring story I'm going to tell? And he's like, uh, sure. So it's in space again because she loves the sci fi. She and the Watcher both love the sci fi. And it's like, 
this world, and I'm not sure if it's different races on this world or all the same people in just different cultures or different tribes. It doesn't really matter because who cares? But this one tribe with not that many people is trying to take over all the other tribes. And they've got this evil leader. You know he's evil because he's got like chin hair. And he is using the superstition of other tribes to defeat them. So like for instance, one tribe thinks that if they die at night, they don't make it to, you know, Valhalla or something. So he attacks them at night and they all surrender because they don't want to get killed. Or another tribe really respects animals. So he has his guys dress up as like wolves and dogs and stuff and attack them and they won't attack back because animals are sacred. So he's taken over the world with that system. And he's decided one day when he's sitting on his throne worrying that maybe someday, since they do outnumber him, they might revolt because he's tyrannical and mean and doesn't give them a lot of food or money. So what's he going to do? He's going to keep using that superstition against them. He creates this really big, giant, giant, uh, made of stone. It's got its arms crossed and its eyes closed. And he goes around telling all his subjects, if you ever try and revolt on me, this giant here will open its eyes and kill you all. So they all believe that for a while because I guess they're just really superstitious. Until one day, you know, John Larry, I just made that up, decides, no, I've had enough. I'd rather die by a giant bald thing than live with this tyranny. Who's with me? And they all decide they're starving enough. So they revolt. And guess what, though? Miraculously, as they're revolting, the giant does wake up. This giant stone that the guy made up does wake up. And they all freak out. Oh no, the giant's going to kill us. And they start to run away. But no, it turns out the giant heads towards the castle and helps them with their revolt, destroys the guy with the evil chin hair. And everybody's like, John Larry, how'd you know that was going to happen? He's like, well, I didn't, but I figured if there are gods and it is supernatural that they'd be on our side because, you know, we have the better good spirits. And then Jan finishes her story and says, doesn't that make no sense? And Hank Pym's like, I wasn't even listening. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, I noticed that she's missing her point on her head that she used to have. Does that only happen when she shrinks? Or I thought it was, I thought the point was part of her costume. I don't know. I thought it was real antenna, like her wings. Uh, well, she used to have the antenna and like 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 Thor's helmet comes up to like a point. Mm-hmm. Her 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 little hat piece used to do that too. Um, oh, okay. And that's the only other thing I had to say about the story besides the fact that Henry's a jerk at the end. I guess, but that's such a stupid story. I think I'd rather do science, too. <laughs> she says, I said I'm leaving, you you brute. Gosh, I wonder what makes that gal so excitable. You're being a jerk, Henry. <laughs> being a jerk to people makes them excitable. Yeah. We um, neglected a very important aspect of this issue okay. earlier. Okay. Story by Daring Stan Lee, (gasps) art by Dazzling Dick Ayers, and lettering by Dynamic S. Rosen. Yep. It is the first credit box to get little flourishes. And they're really talking to us a lot more directly now. There's a whole, like, editor's introduction. You know, Mm -hmm. everything's the best. You're not even going to be able to make it through this without having a heart attack. That's how fun it is, you know. Like, they want, I think, I don't know, like, you've read more DC than I have. I don't know if DC did that kind of connectivity where it's just like, we're here, we're the creators, and we're telling you these cool stories. 
Yeah, they're not as stodgy as sometimes made out to be, especially in the letter column itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, Marvel's definitely playing out the personality. Yeah. Stan Lee is definitely playing out the personality. Marketing, marketing genius. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, like everyone says, it makes you feel like you're part of a group. It makes you feel like it, it's basically fostering a fandom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, hey, we are a community of fans, and we're all here to talk about the, to read, enjoy these comics together. Okay, Strange Tales one hundred eighteen. Yay! Speaking of recurring uh, villains, we have the return of the Wizard Master of Evil. Wait, he's not on that team. This is his third return, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is he returned once on his own, once with Pace Pot Pete, and, and now again. Yeah. Um, also starring Doctor Strange in The Possessed, mm. which I don't think we talked about last issue as his first appearance on the cover, I think. Yes. Okay. Um, also, this is guest starring the Fantastic Four. Let's put what? them on the cover. That never happens. Right? They've only been in every issue save one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I I don't really remember a lot of this issue, so... I want to go back to our original format and just like try to sum this up in like five sentences. Okay. Okay. So the wizard has finally figured out his anti-grav discs that Uh. like are his signature device later. And he uses these to escape from jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wants to be king of the world. Um, The torch goes and does some torchy tests for a scientist. But the scientist is secretly the wizard in disguise and uses the tests as a ruse to disable the torch. The wizard pretends to be the torch. He tricks everybody. And he's so cool that um, he not only tricks everybody, he like subdues everybody. Like he, he captures Susan and other stuff. Um, the torch wakes up. He sends his flare into the sky. Reed Richards and the thing come after it to help him you know beat the wizard but he actually beats the wizard all on his own um the wizard uses a anti-grav disc to float away but then he can't turn it off and so he keeps on floating higher and higher and the torch is like oh well he's gone huh okay and that's basically the end yeah yeah the wizard is really uh repetitive i feel like uh yeah. Didn't he um, didn't he already do the whole torch impersonation thing? Did he do it? Wasn't it him? He may have I know we've had some people inter- impersonate the torch. I know we've seen that happen. I don't know if it was a wizard that did it. I and think, also the torch impersonated Spider-Man once. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the wizard's first appearance. He like knocks him out just like he does in this issue, and he impersonates him for a while until the torch comes back. I don't know. Well he does talk about in this how he is a cosplay wizard. Like, that's like his thing. I can disguise myself as anybody and I can dress up because he's got a, he's got a Fantastic Four costume all ready to go. Yeah, you'd think it'd be really hard to impersonate the Human Torch of all people. And yet it's been done more than any other character that we've read so far, I think. Right. Except for maybe Spider-Man. Spider-Man should be the easiest as long as you have like the body type. No problem. But Right. You just put the full stocking costume on. You don't have to do any super feats unless you're like, <laughs> trying to... Catch yourself on fire and fly around. That seems really hard. <laughs> that would be that would be hard. Um, um, but yeah, it's cool that he got. He finally has his wizardly gizmo because that's what I think of when I think of the wizard. That guy in the weird purple outfit floating around. Mm-hmm. So he's got that now. 
his he face needs the helmet. His face is not nearly as cool as it used to be again. Right. He has gone from super ugly guy to normal guy with bad facial hair. Is um Jack Kirby the artist on the cover? Not to put you on the spot because I don't know either, but um, I've got Mike's Amazing open. I can just click over here and oh, see. Yeah, I forgot about that whole thing. Yeah, Jack. No, um, not Jack Kirby. Maybe. Strange. Where is Strange Tales? Right here. Jack Kirby. Look at the face on that cover. See, I wanted to make sure my point was right before I proved it. Um, oh, yeah. Because Jack Kirby did the initial wizard story. That was like an uh-huh. issue, the second or third issue of the torch. So he's still drawn in weird. But uh, mm-hmm. but uh, 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 whoever draws him now, Dick Ayers, is not. Well, thank you for mentioning Mike's Amazing World because I forgot – we haven't really been talking about the dates on these stories. Um, the first two we talked about were December 2nd and everything else is December 9th. Marvel's shipping is really lopsided right now. Mainly that's because they do a lot of non-superhero books in the first week. So the two superhero books, Thor and Ant- Giant Man, also had Kathy and Modeling with Millie and Patsy Walker and Two-Gun Kid. And then there are more superhero books in the back half of the month. Right. I forgot that he impersonates Johnny, not just the Human Torch this time. So, right with the blonde hair and the, he says he has like city putty covering his beard to make him look like okay, okay, Caesar Romero, whatever his name is, as the the as Joker. The, the Joker. It's not Caesar Romero, is it? Yeah, it is. Um, okay, great. Yeah, and especially if this guy's face is like his face. Right. How, how on earth can he make that up to look like a youthful 18-year-old, 16-year-old Johnny Storm? <laughs> it's just, But I do like that evil grin on his face. That's kind of neat. When I've he, just got this, like, you know, pet horse, and I'm just going to put some makeup on it to make it look like, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very uh, Mission Impossible, I guess. Right. Oh, it is very Mission Impossible. Um, the one other thing – I had so few notes on this. The one other thing that I thought was amusing is the very first scene whenever Johnny's throwing fire around and his friends are like, come on, Johnny, go bowling with us. You're supposed to be the captain of our bowling team. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. When I think Johnny Storm, I think of bowling. That's right. Like how does he even have time to commit to a bowling team anyway? I don't even know. Talk about a flake. But – uh yeah, I don't have anything to say either. I feel like we've read this already. I mean, the only thing that's new is this grav thing that he has, right? which is kind of, you know, going to set a precedent. And I also, you know, if you think about it, he defeats himself because Johnny doesn't even do anything to break the gravity thing. He just, it just doesn't work and he dies. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of weird. Well, after going almost an hour on two books and me feeling a little bit bad that we're starting a third book, we're going to finish up in just over an hour here. So we're, we're, we're doing fine. Um, Doctor Strange dares to probe the uncanny secret of The Possessed, Uh written by magical Stan Lee, drawn by mystical Steve Ditko, lettered by mysterious Sam Rosen. And this is Doctor Strange, who is, of course, portrayed in the Marvel Universe by Bandicoot Crashington. (laughs) And um, basically, this is an alien invasion story. Yeah. Like, Doctor Strange is just hanging out, and these people in this village keep getting uh, either abducted and replaced by, or just possessed by, um, the Tinkerer aliens from the back of Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's what they look like. They look like those guys. Wow, is it those guys? No, it's not those guys. Okay. These are these are not interplanetary di- aliens. These oh, are interdimensional aliens. That's right. 
So um, that's how they can keep it in Doctor Strange and not in, like, you know, Tales of Suspense or something. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> we see Doctor Strange's, um, the whites of his eyes for the first time as he opens his eyes really wide to see, to, like, peer into the souls of the people and see if they're aliens or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember how he does this he um he thinks for a while about how he's going to go and take care of the aliens but the aliens try to possess him Mm -hmm. and they can't and he like scares them into leaving the earth or something um basically he sets himself up as a decoy they try and get into him he turns the tables and reads their mind and then like they try and turn the villagers on him because they're they're like possessing random villagers, I guess is the whole plot. Yeah. So and this is like this crazy like ancient Jewish town that doesn't really exist or something. And then uh, the main bad guy comes out and he's like, "Well, maybe you can you know mentally beat my cronies, but you can't mentally beat me." And he has like this stone armor that he puts on, and the two of them stare at each other until the armor starts melting. And then he says, "Let's get out of here." Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Remember how last time we talked about Doctor Strange and you told me what this plot was going to be? And I basically said it's going to be a scouting party that's going to see if they could take over the world. And they're going to find somebody that beats them, which is Doctor Strange. And they're going to realize they can't take over the world because all humans are like this. And they're going to run away. Yeah. Yeah. See, I already read it before I read it. (laughs) So as far as Doctor Strange goes, this is not a highlight. Um I made the crack earlier about his eyes. We have commented a few times about the way that Doctor Strange's face is portrayed. And one of Ditko's drawing techniques is to have this sort of uh, puffy, swollen eyelids that don't open very wide. And you can't really see much definition to his eyes, except for maybe a dot or something where the line between the eyelids is. And so other than the origin story where he's drawn with much more traditionally Caucasian features, we have not seen Doctor Strange's eyes once in this series mm-hmm. until today. And we get it twice, I think. We get it twice. So um, he's still drawn with, you know, except for those startling panels that are done for effect, he is still drawn with very stark, um, non-Caucasian. I interpret them as Asian features. Um, but we're getting close to where that's going to start changing. About two or three more issues. Anyways... Um, the only other thing I had here is that they use the term mystic arts for the first time instead of black magic. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I say for the first time. The first time I've noticed. Uh, yeah, they're getting away from the black magic thing, which is good, because I found that confusing. Yeah. No, I don't know. Like, I mean, this isn't my favorite Strange. I think so far that would be the one where he goes into the nightmare world to rescue those souls. That was a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but no Baron Mordo and only one bit of astral to solve his problems, astral projection, and that was mostly uh-huh. that was mostly just to trick them. So that was actually kind of cool. Okay. Um, the aliens are whatever. Like I said, it's the same old dang Marvel alien story. But it was neat to see Doctor Strange out and about. I think I don't know if I know people love Ditko Spider Man, but his his Doctor Strange is pretty dang awesome. He clear mm-hmm. he clearly loves the design and all that. Like. Like, I love that bit where Doctor Strange shows up in the town and they're all scared of him. You don't really think of that, like Doctor Strange being scary, because I'm just used to him, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in these early stories, he's like this kind of creepy dude. He's like getting the Batman reaction when he shows up, you know? I like that. Yeah, I do too, because he's, you know, magical and mysterious and stuff. Um, Yeah, it was okay. 
I mean, again, the plot's kind of the plot, but I think it's weird that, like, in the beginning, he says something like he's looking at the world and he goes, ah, there's a piece of dark, mystical blackness that I have to investigate. Supernatural forces are at work here, but it's aliens. Is that supernatural or is that science fiction? They're interdimensional aliens. So that's supernatural? They came from a mystical dimension, I guess. Ah, so that's his issue. Because usually he only deals with magic. He doesn't care about... Right, right. He doesn't care about Thanos. The whole point of the concept of this, yeah, he doesn't care about Thanos, does he? No. The whole concept of the series, though, is that he deals with you know supernatural stuff. I mean, his first story was going into somebody's dream and and uh-huh. finding a dream entity there. He basically pulls to mention it twice in the same episode. He basically pulls a DC's the dreaming and goes into the realm and finds um, Morpheus and has a fight with him. That's basically what happens, right? So I guess these guys are are. On his radar because of the whole traveling from one dimension to another thing then. Yeah. Supernatural dimensions, intra or paranormal dimensions, not science fiction dimensions. He even says at the last panel, like, this is why all small towns have crazy, uh, you know, superstitions is because a lot of that stuff is real. And I just won't bother to tell them. Because <laughs> they, they, they're better off not knowing. And I am Dr. Strange. I don't like talking to people. Yeah. Instead, we'll just have them, like, raise their kids ignorant and scared of things that aren't real. Right. Cool. All right. Well, that's the first half of December down. Yeah. Um, that was a nice breezy episode. So we have some thank yous to give out to people who have joined us on social media. And while I'm bringing those up, Mike, do you want to talk about where they can find us? Go to makearsmarvel.com. There you will find all the links to all the devices that you may have out there. Or better yet, probably easier, you could just um, go to your favorite podcast playing software or app or something and type our name in and i hope it comes up um but also on the website makearsmarvel.com you can uh write us a letter using the contact form or simply writing to podcast at makearsmarvel.com where we will read and respond every once in a while well we have gotten some facebook likes uh i believe uh the last one i mentioned was tim trevet which may be trevet and also Rob Murphy and Gunnar Gunnar Lauhofer. Wow. Who I think just followed us today as I'm uh, as we're recording this, and this is the day that our first Tales of Asgard episode went up. Mm. So I have no idea if that has a connection. Um, over on Twitter, we have gotten quite a few followers this week, which makes me happy. Love you guys on Twitter. We have Scott X, who is the mind of Scott X. The mind is an incredible thing most of the time. No promises here. His uh, his avatar is the question, which I like. Hmm. Um, we have Bobby B, which I think is that guy from the Transformers movie. Bobby B? The, the one who tra- yeah, you're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Uncle Bob? Yeah, your Uncle Bobby B, your Uncle Bobby B. Who sells him the Bumblebee car? Okay, I don't, I don't watch those movies that well. I guess. Uh, Although that new Bumblebee tra- looks pretty good. The new Bumblebee looks really, really good. I really like the first Transformers movie okay. a lot. Um, the later ones, I don't hate. I don't like as much, but I really like the first one a lot. Anyways, so uh, he is at Beirut Wedding, and he has the Beirut Wedding. Um, world theater project as his thing. So I think that might be BeirutWedding.org. Um, I want to go check out that website. So um, Tony Hugh at standard man, Tony ACE at T A S S A F F outer mutant. Who's at outer mutant, uh, a sense fan in leaf nation. Is that a, is that a sports reference? Leaf nation. Yeah. 
Maple Leafs, maybe? I don't know. Oh, oh, he's from Toronto, Ontario. So he's in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Zero time for political noobs on the far right or extreme left. Fooey on all of you. That's funny. Okay. Um, and Chris Noakes, who is at Squash Dad. He's a squash fanatic. I think squash is a sport, right? Yes. All right. Don't ask so me been... what it, how it works, but it's a, it's a sport. Yeah. I'm just going to assume that it's that sport where you like have the hammer and you like squash all the little heads that come up. Yeah. That sounds In, sounds good. Yeah. All right. So not to be rude to all you squash fans. I'm so sorry. I'm probably insensitive. But anyways, um, we'll save some more likes and follows for next time. Let's see. Anything else before we go? I think that'll do it. All right. Well, until Zarko the Tomorrow Man becomes a member of the Fantastic Four, make ours marvel. marvel.